right, we're back again for episode five of Unsolved Cases and Suspicious Faces. And today we have a special guest star. Her name is Sammy. Say hi. Hi. She is our non-biological sister. We discovered today that we've been friends for 10, no, 12 years. I'm sorry. Please don't look at me like that. And it made me feel (laughs) very old. So old. Literally had this conversation like half an hour ago and she already forgot feels great i am not a way to go izzy i know way to show you care i've ruined it she is the sister of gabby who gave us a suggestion for my story last week so today she's brought her own story as well so everyone will hear three stories how have you been jackie um really good uh i have you know how i told you last week that i wanted to get rid of everything in my house yes And just, like, embrace minimalism. I haven't done that yet. But what I have done is decide that I need to redo my wardrobe. (laughs) Because, you know, I wear uniforms all the time. And now when I'm not in uniforms with all this corona stuff going on, I'm just in sweatpants. (laughs) So are you just going to keep your uniform in sweatpants? I asked mom for style advice. And she showed me this site called ThreadUp. And this is not an advertisement, I swear. But it's, um, yes, it's very nice. And I spent way too much money on new clothes. (laughs) So, um. I thought you were embracing minimalism. What happened? I'm, I'm throwing away all of my old clothes that I don't like. And I'm getting new ones in a new (laughs) style. I'm not technically losing anything, but not gaining anything either okay i don't need your criticism first of all first of all you do (laughs) second of all none of this just says minimalism this just says i want new clothes just call it a minimalistic style jeans and a t-shirt almost (laughs) i haven't quite figured out what style i want yet so i bought a bunch of things that don't go together so I can figure it out. (laughs) I don't know what I'm doing, okay? Okay, well... I'm working on it. I guess that's fine. So have you been? You doing doing okay? You didn't catch the the COVID? Not yet. I'm still working, so uh, I might might still be uh, doing that for a while. They're saying maybe November now. Is uh, I can't travel anywhere. The military is like, mm, you can travel 50 miles away from your house and that's it. So can't go anywhere until maybe November, they're saying, unless something changes. So uh, I went out and also bought a uh, cross-stitch pattern. <laughs> and it's really funny. I told Josh and Josh was like, that's fine. How much could it be? Like $50 maybe if it's expensive. And I just kind of smiled at him like, oh, <laughs> Uh, and he's like how much was it and I was like "Mm, $200 (laughs) oh my gosh well it was a kiss so it came with all the thread and stuff and And the pattern and I um, unraveled I thought it was going to be a lot smaller when I bought it and it came in the mail and I held it up and you know how it comes with the uh fabric Mm -hmm. the fabric is the size of me (laughs) oh so it's so it's like it's like a tapestry i guess it's enormous i've done one page and the page is like the size of my hand (laughs) oh my gosh so is it bigger than uh the pokemon one we're doing probably like two so less pages but it's 18 count so the pages are a lot bigger Oh, I think I'm doing, like, 18 count on mine as, like, that's the fabric I got. hmm So I need to get going because I haven't even completed a page of that one. <laughs> I'll, send you a pic- I'll send you a picture next to my hand so you can see. Yeah, we'll post it on our social media. That's Sammy's job. Sammy. Yeah, Sammy, if you could just go ahead and do your job and post things for us, I would appreciate it. I'm sorry. You just got this job and you're already slacking off. I'm so ashamed of you. I know. I brought you into this operation and this is how you repay me. At least I didn't mess up how long we've been friends. Okay. All right. All right. 
I'm going to let you guys handle that. It sounds like something I don't need in my life. Like Sammy? You don't need Sammy in your life. That's what I told I don't need all this angst in my life. All this drama. (laughs) Yes, you do. Anyway, so (laughs) I have some good news as well. Oh, great. So I did officially get accepted into UNR. Go Wolf. Congratulations. Thank you. The University of Nevada, Reno. And I was going to still like dual enroll at Truckee Meadows Community College and the university, but part of the graduation requirements are at least 60 credits of Mm -hmm. my degree, which is a total of 120 for a four-year degree. So at least two years has to be at UNR, and Mm -hmm. I'm transferring in 63 credits, so there's no point in me going to TMCC because I'm going to have to spend the same amount of money and time at UNR whether I complete my degree my associates at TMCC or not so but that's good news right yeah so starting fall I'm officially just going to UNR congratulations I've officially reached junior status which is about a year ahead of where I thought I was at this point so I'm pretty excited I got registered for fall term I have to take five classes which shoot me but (laughs) I think it'll be okay are you planning on also doing part-time stuff or Brian doesn't want Are me to. Are you just be- still? Well, Brian doesn't want me to because I go a little crazy when I work. And it's when- stressful. Yeah. Well, when things start, I'm a workaholic. I've come to accept that. But I throw myself into work and I kind of neglect everything else a little bit. Mm-hmm. So, and along with my anxiety, I get really bad OCD, especially about the house. So it's just working a lot better that... Brian can focus on work and doing what he needs to do, and then I take care of school in the house. That sounds like he doesn't help me out around the house. He does when I ask him to, but because I know I'm crazy, I don't want to put that on him. So be like, Ryan, I opened the dishwasher and this fork was askew. So this just works out a lot better for us. Good. That sounds like it'll be really good for you. Yeah, I think so. And that way it gives me time to just kind of focus. And I realize that I am in a very blessed spot to be able to just focus on school and not a lot of people have that so I feel really really lucky unfortunately it is expensive and it hurts me but it's okay it's worth it I think so I called dad and I told him that for my minor one of the classes I have to take is uh understanding arguments and he was like I don't think you need that class (laughs) (laughs) and I was like well I am pretty good at arguing but you don't have to call me out like that He's keeping it real. (laughs) And then I told him shortly after that that Sammy and I had went and got sushi because there's a really good sushi place close to where I live. And he's like, why don't you just go to a pond and grab a fish and eat it there? I didn't know he didn't eat sushi. That was something that came up when they came down. He didn't eat sushi because he thinks it's all raw. And I was like, Dad, I don't like raw fish either, but I really like sushi. And he's like, sushi's raw fish. And I'm like, it can be, but it's not. Like, Well, you have to start. So for me, I had to start with the shrimp, the cooked shrimp sushi mm-hmm. that they have. And then on to like imitation crab, you yeah. know, get a little mm-hmm. wild with that and then start branching <laughs> out. <laughs> yeah, no, I You mean- can't just jump into like sashimi and be like, this is amazing. I guess some people can, but I couldn't. I can't, no. <laughs> I do. (laughs) Get out of here. We're not talking to you anymore. Get out of my state. Anyway. But no, he was like, so he was like, it's raw fish. I'm like, no, dad, it's not. And we back and forth. And he's like, you are good at arguments. Fine. I guess you won this one. (laughs) And I was like, I'm just, I'm just a product of my upbringing. Did you tell him to call the wambulance? No, I should have. Oh my gosh. They said that to us anytime we were complaining when we were children. Hey, Dad, if you're listening to this, call the ambulance about the sushi. I'm going to write that down so I can bring it up next time. Hey, Sam, I need you to post on our social media and do our job and tell my dad to call the ambulance. I'm doing it right now. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) That sounds passive aggressive. Maybe we should just tell him No, I need you to straight tag him. (laughs) Like, we're not gonna do, do it yeah picture of him be like everyone tell this man call the way ambulance i'm sure appreciate it. if you see him walking on the street just, just call the way ambulance yeah <laughs> you think he's gonna appreciate this i think so hey mom if you're listening go tell dad that he needs to call <laughs> the, the way ambulance about his sushi problem 
Okay. All right. Well, I'm pretty excited. I have an, a nifty murder. Well, a disappearance. Yeah, I wouldn't call murders nifty, first of all. I have a interesting murder. I have a fun murder. Uh, that, oh. <laughs> <laughs> that seems worse. <laughs> okay, all right, all right, all right. So I've got a disappearance. Sam, do you have a disappearance or do you have a straight-up fun murder? I mean, not fun murder. Um, it, It's a disappearance. He, he's presumed dead but not for certain gotcha all right so what do you have for us jackie i have a murder okay well why don't you go first okay and i'll go second um and we'll do the hospitable thing of making our guest sit on pins and needles and go last okay that because um we can get really into the weeds with this one but i'm going to not take an hour <laughs> to tell you guys this story. What? Um, I'm going to tell you the murder of Faith Head. You're going to have to she read was... that because you cut out. Oh, okay. I'm going to tell you the murder nope, of Faith over. Hedge. You cut out again. I'm so sorry. Stop. You only get one. All right. I'm going to tell you the murder of Faith Hedge. Is her last name just Hedge? Hedgepeth. Okay. One more time because you keep cutting out. I swear. Faith Hedgepeth. That's worse. <laughs> what? Hedgepeth. <laughs> Jackie. Hedgepeth. Okay. All right. That's better. That was good? That yeah. was good. Okay. I'm keeping all of that in. <laughs> <laughs> I must be too close. I don't know. Maybe I'm too close to my mic or something. I, th- I think you were a little too close. It wasn't picking me up, so I had to get close. Anyway, on to the story. Is it a fun so, murder? So, no. Okay. Murders aren't fun. Yes, they are. They're sad and tragic. That too. They can be both. That's... Mm-hmm. Okay. So, <laughs> Faith was born in 1992. Uh, she was raised by a mother, mother, mostly her mother. Her father had a drug problem, so he was kind of in and out of her life. Um... She was, in high school, she was well-liked by everybody. She was an honor student, a cheerleader, um, in a bunch of clubs. And she was, um, she had good enough grades that she got a scholarship to attend the University of North Carolina at Chapel Hill. Dang. Yeah. So her first two years went um, pretty well. And then after the first two years, she kind of remained in the area over the summer. And this is where it starts to get kind of pertinent. So these two characters, you guys will want to pay attention to. So she was living in a in an apartment with Karina Rosario, someone she had been friends with since her freshman year, and Rosario's boyfriend, Eric Jones. That seems like a suspicious character. <laughs> Don't trust men named Eric. All men named Eric have suspicious faces, but this one especially. Jones and Rosario had um, a lot of domestic violence in their relationship, and eventually Rosario broke up with him and he moved out. Obviously, that relationship was really bad, and the way it ended was even worse, and Faith Hedgepeth was still living with her at this point. So after the attempts to break in... Rosario changed the lock, and Hedgepeth drove her to get a court-ordered protective order, telling Jones to, like, stay away from the apartment. So, Jones blamed Faith for this influence and for the protective order, and at one point threatened to kill her if he couldn't get back together with Rosario. Red flag, red flag, red flag, okay. Yeah, so things are um, kind of starting to get violent. Um, but it wasn't too much longer after this. It was September 6, 2012. Also a Thursday, which is kind of interesting because of what they're doing on this day. Um, she is working a rush event at, um, at the campus chapter of Alpha Pi Omega. Um, which is, I guess, is a Native American, uh, historically Native American sorority, which is kind of cool. 
That is um, and she was there all day. And at 7.15 p.m. she left and said that she had to work on a paper she was assigned. So she goes to the library and Rosaria is with her at this point when they go to the library. And she's there until 9 and she's texting her father. Gotcha. So did she text him to call the wambulance? <laughs> no. Well, what's she even doing? Unconfirmed. Uh, they left the library and returned there briefly at about 11.30, and then they went home to their apartment at around midnight. So, at about 12.30, and this is a Thursday, this is why it's kind of interesting, they go to, um, a place called The Thrill, which is a nightclub in downtown Chapel Hill. That, uh, and that sounds thrilling. Oh my god. <laughs> I'm so mad at you right now. I'm going to ignore that. (laughs) But they allowed people in under the age of 21 just to dance, not to drink, obviously. That's illegal. Obviously, yes. So they get there at about 1240 in the morning. And after about an hour and a half, Rosario says she's having an upset stomach and wanted to leave. Um, Red flag, red flag, red flag. Okay. (laughs) Security cameras catch them leaving it. 2.06 2.06 a.m. And it's the last visual record of her presence anywhere before her killing. Uh-oh. So it's now 3 a.m. They returned to their apartment and a woman living below them said she heard three. She was actually watching television at the time, which is why she has a testimony. Um, she said she heard three thumping noises, which she described as similar to a heavy bag being dropped or furniture being overturned shortly afterward. That doesn't, that doesn't sound like a thump. To me, that's described as like it should be like a large sound. Like a bang? Yeah. Yeah. Thump sounds like knocking. I think, right? <laughs> yeah. Faith Hedgepeth's Facebook page was also accessed around the same time. So by 3 a.m. 3.40, a text is sent from her phone to someone named Brandon Edwards, who was an ex of hers. And it said... Hey, B, can you come over here, please? Rosario needs you more than you know. Please let her know you care. Uh, okay. Three minutes later, another text was sent with the word than because she had, um, the person who was texting said there was like a typo. So it auto-corrected than in the first message. It was wrong. Gotcha. So the last activity on her phone is forced. 16 when edwards the guy the ex sends a text asking who had sent the last text because it doesn't sound like her (laughs) yeah rosario's phone records so she was also trying to call this person around the same time on her phone okay he didn't answer and when he didn't she tried to call jordan mccrary another person they knew and at 4.25, she leaves the apartment to get in this McCrary person's car. At that time, Rosario said later she believed Hedgepeth was asleep in her room and left the apartment's door unlocked. Interesting. Less than like 10 minutes, you know, 10 minutes before this, she was, somebody was texting Brandon Edwards, a person who Rosario also happened to be calling at the exact same time on the phone. So it seems like a very odd coincidence. So McCrary drives Rosario to a different friend's home. So she says she got there at about 4.30 a.m. She spends the rest of the night and the early morning there. And it's about 10.30 she tries to get a ride home back to her apartment. She tries to call Faith, who doesn't answer, obviously. And she has to end, she ends up calling a different person to take her back to the apartment. It's about 11 a.m. When they enter, they enter the apartment. So it's both of them. She doesn't respond when they call for her. And in Faith's bedroom, they find her corpse. Ooh, no. No, thank you. It says they immediately called the police. I would hope so. Hey, Sam, if you ever find my body, don't touch it. Just call 911. So I shouldn't move you. No. Don't touch you. Just Mm-mm. call 911. No selfies? No selfies. Okay. Well, one selfie. Oh, okay. Okay. And I'm going to post this into our chat so you guys can see this. 
a note next to the body is what I'm putting into this chat so you guys can that see it. by the body? Yep, it says, I'm not stupid, bitch, jealous. Sammy, why haven't you posted this on our social media yet? What is wrong? I know, slacking. <laughs> so they think they wrote this on the bottom of like a carryout food bag. Um, they actually think they know what place this came from. And it would have been the only place open at the time that they left the nightclub, the dance place. Jealous. Investigators haven't said if they've had the handwriting analyzed, but unless they're comparing it to like a specific person, I guess I don't know what kind of evidence they can just come up with that. Another piece of evidence that's really important is a friend calls the police and says that on the night of the murder, Faith called her and it went to voicemail so she has this voicemail that's three minutes long and it sounds like faith with a man and a woman with music in the background at 1 23 a.m when they're saying faith was at the thrill mm -hmm. which was thrilling as we discussed <laughs> you can't say the same joke twice Watch me. We've already heard it. Oh, I think I so. Will. She's a thrill seeker. <laughs> All right. They, uh, That's too far. <laughs> a place called Crime Watch Daily hires an audio expert named Arlo West to enhance the recording of this voicemail. And he says he heard her crying for help while the man is saying, I think she's dying. And the woman says, do it anyhow. And then they have a long discussion, and the woman gets angrier. The male and female use the name Eric and Rosie, which is Rosario's nickname, respectively. Ooh, shit. So her father is convinced that that's a recording of her daughter's death. But, again, this was time-stamped at 1.23 a.m., and they have visual a visual recording of them leaving the nightclub at 2.06. The police, they are saying that there's a known software issue with phones like Faith's that can result in inaccurate timestamps. Interesting. So I guess at this point it's like, who knows? Maybe it was, maybe it wasn't. I guess only the police really know at this point, but. Yeah. Also, more evidence. They um, got DNA evidence. Because she had been sexually assaulted. She had been raped. Oh, no. So they got the DNA evidence. And then the Chapel Hill police released. I don't know if you guys know that they can do this now. It's on Forensic Files in a couple of episodes. But they can take DNA now. And they can generate a picture of what somebody would look like. What? Wow, I had so no So you idea. know how... You know how they do genetic testing now where you can send your DNA into, like, what's a group that does it? Ancestry.com does it. 21 23 23 and me. 23 They'll do it now, but police can send it to genetic testing companies like that. And they can get a prediction of the eye color, hair color, skin color, freckling. All that's already in your DNA. So they can generate profile of what you might look like again it's not gonna have like scars or if you like broke your nose or something or technology is amazing birthmarks or whatever yeah isn't that crazy though that's yeah. cool so they actually generated a picture of what that person might look like do you have it um i did i think it's in one of these tabs sammy why haven't you done research <laughs> thanks sammy okay it's fine. Just fire me. It's fine. You're fired. It's fine. Get out of it's my fine. state. Okay. Goodbye. <laughs> it says the police have actually interviewed over 2,000 people. DNA tests have been conducted on 750 of those people because, again, Faith was – she had a lot of friends. She knew pretty much everybody. And the chief, so the chief of police awesome. is saying that it's likely – committed by someone in her social group as opposed to a crime of opportunity. Well, I've heard because that. Rosario, when she left the apartment, didn't lock the door. I, I've heard that you're more likely to be murdered by someone you know 
That's very true. That's why they always look at like spouses first. Sammy, and then they follow the money second. Away. We need you to stay away from me. No. Okay. Okay. <laughs> she's going to okay. take you up on that and she's just going to leave and you're going to have nobody to blame but yourself. She's going to be like, finally, I've been looking for a way out of this friendship for 20 years now. Just, she still has no idea how long we've been friends. <laughs> now there's, so that's what they said in the beginning was that it was probably someone in her social group. The next year, the police came out and said that they believe the killer was just outside the social group because, again, they tested it. They DNA tested 750 people. So they think they got everybody in her social group. So now they're saying maybe it's somebody that she kind of knew. They, I think they go back and forth on whether Rosario, they like think she actually was there when she was killed. They don't know how involved she was. That's my story. Very interesting. I think this is the second case where I, um, that I've done where somebody they think, like, has tweeted about or had a voicemail recording or something right before their deaths, which is interesting. Yeah. But as technology gets better and better, I think that's going to keep happening. So we'll have to wait and see. And I found the guy. This is the guy. That's his picture that they think. So, again, you know, it's like a perfect face. Like if your face wasn't smashed in the womb or something, that's what you would look like with like the perfect distance between the eyes and the shape of the nose and everything. So That's cool. That's crazy how stuff works like that. Yeah. Holy cow. Well, that was, uh, that was a good story, Jax. Exactly. So it's crazy that we can actually maybe see this person's face based on stuff he left at a crime scene. Yeah. Wow. And you know, in the future, hopefully technology just gets better and better and better to the point where we can, uh, we can solve all cases. Hi everyone, it's Izzy here. And if you didn't know, I'm the one of us that's responsible for editing and uploading our podcast. And I just wanted to let you know about Anchor. It's the easiest way to make a podcast. And just to clarify, it's free. There's creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. Anchor will distribute your podcast for you so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and many more. You can make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership everything you need to make a podcast in one place. I like to use it because for me, it just makes everything so simple and easy. And it is the best program that I have found to help upload and find sponsorships. And it automatically distributes it for me. There is literally nothing that I have to do in order to get my podcast onto all of the listening sites. So download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. You can record it right from the app, right from your phone, anywhere. It's convenient, it's easy, and best of all, it's free. So my story is the disappearance of Brian Schaefer. Brian Schaefer was born on February 25th. 1979 and disappeared in the early morning hours of April 1st, 2006. So have either of you heard of Brian Schaefer? Nope, not yet. Not yet? It sounds a little familiar, but I can't remember any details of the case, so maybe not. Well, you better not remember any so I can tell you some crazy ones. Are you ready? I'm ready. So 2006 itself was an emotional year for Brian as his mother Renee passed away earlier in March, so less than a month before he went missing. And during a spring break trip he had planned with his girlfriend, Alexis Wagoner, he was planning on proposing. Oh, no. Yep. Brian was a medical student at Ohio State University, and on March 31st, classes had finally let out for spring break. Brian and his father, Randy, went out to a steak dinner to celebrate the occasion, Randy had noticed that Brian seemed extremely tired from pulling several all-night study sessions earlier in the week to cram for his exams. Randy did not think that Brian, his son, should go out with friends, but did not express this to him. So to kind of set the stage. Okay. 
My cat's trying to sit on my lap because he is also interested in the story. Well, tell him to stop for listening to your story. Nugget, I'm sorry you don't get to listen. <laughs> um, He's too young to hear stuff like this. You're Cover too his ears. little. You're only <laughs> two. You have to be at least 50 pounds. Oh, no. That'd be a big cat. Anyway, at 9 p.m., Brian met his friend... William Florence at the Ugly Tuna Saluna, which the is a bar. Ugly Tuna? Ugly what? Tuna Saluna. I love it. Oh, man. <laughs> okay, just because you can't listen doesn't mean you can call me. Although we were talking about sushi earlier. Look at that winky dink Oh. Hmm? Full circle. It was meant to be. An hour later, he called his girlfriend, Alexis as she had returned home to Toledo to visit family before they were to depart on their vacation to Miami. Nothing good happens in Florida. After this phone call, Brian and Florence went bar hopping, visiting several other bars around the arena district, and at each stop they at least had a shot of liquor at each. So, I don't know. They were pretty hammered is what you're saying. Yes, pretty hammered. I mean, it's the start of spring break. Do you know a better way to kick it off than to... Do you think they could still walk straight hammered or... No. Okay. He's a medical student and he pulled several all-nighters still crying for exams. I think this man was probably trashed. <laughs> okay. So after midnight, so at this point, it's been, what, 9, 10, 11, 12, three hours. Uh, the two met up with a friend of Florence's named Meredith Reed and she gave them a ride back to... The Ugly Tuna Saluna. Say it ten times So they're fast. starting and ending the night there. Yes. Ugly okay. Tuna Saluna. Can we just... Everybody say that with Stop me. Stop saying it. Ugly <laughs> Tuna Saluna. Okay. And We're going to get sued. Ugly Tuna Saluna. And she joined them for a last round. Uh, while they were there, Brian separated from his companions, and Florence and Reed were repeatedly searching and calling out his name, but to no avail. They left with the other patrons when the bar closed at 2 a.m., continuing to search and wait for Brian. When Brian was not with the departing crowd, they assumed he went home without telling them. So, this is five hours total he was out for the night. Brian's girlfriend and his father both tried to call him repeatedly over the weekend because he still had not shown up and were unable to get a hold of him. And when Brian missed the flight to Miami that had been scheduled for quite a while, he was finally reported as missing. I know this is a wild concept, but maybe don't leave places when you go to them with your friend that's hammered and can't take care of himself if you don't know where he is. Well, Sammy, you're not from Reno, so why don't we go to a bar named Slam and Salmon and we will... uh, (laughs) We'll separate and see what happens for science. <laughs> that was amazing. We have to start that bar immediately. <laughs> Slamming salmon. Okay. <laughs> uh, so, police began their investigation at the Ugly Tuna Saluna. And the bar turned over security cameras and it showed Brian, Florence, and Reed going up an escalator to the bar at about 1.15 a.m. Brian was seen again at 1.55 a.m., which is about five minutes before closing. Outside the bar talking with two young women, presumably saying goodbye, then moving off camera in the direction of the bar. Brian was not seen by the cameras exiting shortly after at 2 p.m. when the bar closed. The investigators believe that it was possible he could have changed clothes in the bar or put on a hat and hid his face from the camera. But you got to remember this, this guy's had quite a bit of alcohol. And why would he hide from the cameras? So they only had the one entrance and exit? Wow. It was also possible that the camera could have missed him at one, as one panned across the area constantly and the other was operated manually. But Brian may also have left the building another way as there was another exit not used by the public that opened straight onto a construction site. Um, but the police believed that it would be incredibly difficult to navigate sober, let alone drunk. So he oh. either didn't leave the bar or he uh, put on a crazy disguise and left. Like he would have had to fully change clothes in five minutes and then leave. Or he left through the construction site. 
A lot of people do, however, believe that he didn't leave the ugly tuna saluna alive. Try saying it. It's fun. Okay, fine. Um, police also looked at the cameras from nearby businesses, but were never able to see Brian. So they don't have... The front of the business that was public-facing had several cameras pointed out towards it, whether from the bar or from another business, and they were never able to definitively capture Brian leaving. So what, did they, like, see somebody leaving with a suitcase? <laughs> what did they think happened? You know, it's it's a mystery. They just, they think he could have changed clothes and put on a hat and then snuck out. They think he could have exited at that other door that opened onto a construction site. They're just not sure. Did he steal someone's clothes? Like, where would he get the extra clothes from? Like, I don't know. Maybe he was a spy and someone left a change of clothes for him in the bathroom. Did the guy's studying for his medical degree. He's a med student. Pulling yeah. all-nighters. He's not going to just dip before <laughs> his finals week. Bye. And then he's you know, just like, oh, I spent all that time studying. I'm just not going to do it and start a new life somewhere. That sounds Ridiculous. really weird. Yes, I agree. Um, police posted flyers and appealed to the public for information. They also used police dogs to search the area and inspected dumpsters and waste containers. The police even searched the sewer system, but no useful information was ever uncovered. Brian's car was still parked outside of his apartment, and inside nothing was amiss. Like, he wasn't missing clothes like he had packed a bag. Nothing was missing. They found, like, his personal information that he would need to travel, things like that. Um, with no useful information, the police began to consider other possibilities besides an accident or foul play. They believed that his mother just passed, so he left to grieve in solitude, but the disappearance proved that it was permanent, so no evident reasons ever appeared for him to voluntary, voluntarily disappear. Right. So those that saw Brian that evening were asked to take lie detector tests. Even his father, Reed, and Brian... I'm sorry. So Reed, Meredith, the girl that was with him, and Brian's father, Randy, uh, agreed and passed, but Florence refused. So his best friend refused to take one. Brian's girlfriend, in grief, called his phone every night, and it usually went to voicemail, but one night it rang three times, which would suggest that it had been charged and turned on. The cellular company said that it could have been just a computer glitch, um, but Brian's cell phone was pinged at a cell tower in, in Hillard, which was about 14 miles north of Columbus. So if this guy was in Columbus drinking, having a good time, why then was his cell phone pinged 14 miles away? And this was several days later? Yes. Several days later. Brian's father died in 2008, so two, two years after his death. And before Brian's father's death, he petitioned the state along with families of missing people to pass a bill establishing a statewide protocol for missing persons cases. It was passed and signed into law by the time he passed away in 2008. The police believe it is likely that Brian could still be alive, but this case has no further developments. Brian has a Pearl Jam tattoo on his upper right arm, and he has a dot on his right iris. He was 27 years old and at the time of his, I'm sorry, he was a 27-year-old male at the time of his disappearance and would be 41 today. He is 6 feet 2 inches and was about 160 pounds. I can't talk today. Have you been drinking? No, I think you're making me nervous. Oh. <laughs> he was 27. And that's the end of the podcast forever. Good night, everyone. <laughs> Brian has a Pearl Jam tattoo on his upper right arm, and he has a dot on his right iris. He was a 27-year-old male at the time of his disappearance and would be 41 years old today. He is 6 feet 2 inches and was about 165 pounds at, this, at the time. He had light brown hair and hazel eyes. If you have any information about Brian Schaefer or his whereabouts, please call your local FBI agency or the Columbus Police Department at 877-645-8477. And that 
is the disappearance of Brian Schaefer. Um, Brian's family is not very happy that Florence to this day still will not take a lie detector test. And Florence's attorney has even said that the police still believe that there's a chance that Brian is alive. So it's Brian that is hurting his family, not Florence. Yeah, right. I don't really see how he could still be alive, especially since like... The guy's paid to make those allegations, first of all. I know. But they never definitively were able to say if he exited the bar alive. They don't know. He didn't take I mean, no lawyer's going to be like, there's a chance this guy did it. (laughs) Right. But just in general, like, to me, it doesn't seem like he's alive. It seems very suspicious. He didn't take anything with him. He was studying for his exams. It doesn't seem like he would just throw his life away and start a new one. Um, He was in love with his girlfriend to the point that he was going to propose. It just doesn't seem right. So the sources I used were the Charlie Project, FBI.gov, and, of course, Wikipedia. And that is the disappearance of Brian Schaefer. I hope one day it gets solved and that even though his parents aren't alive, at least his ex-girlfriend and his friends have some closure. Did you say whether or not the um, police actually, like, really search? I'm assuming there's, like, a cursory search done at the construction site. But do you think they, like, went into the foundations and all the areas that were open at the time? And Yes, I know that they did. And they also used police dogs to try to find any of his items, any scent. They weren't able to find anything. Oh, interesting. Yes. And everyone say it with me one more time. The Ugly Tuna Saluna. Okay. (laughs) It's so much fun to say. All right, Sam, I think it's your turn to tell us a fun story. Uh, Well, I don't know how fun this is. I'm sorry. Tell us a story. I'll tell you a... It's very vague. Um, I looked up a bunch of different websites and stuff, and... It just got more mysterious the more I researched. This is the disappearance of Jeremy Doland Bright. I've never heard of it, so I'm super excited. I also have not heard of this one before. Perfect. Um, So this all took place in Myrtle Beach, Oregon, which is where I'm from. So had to bring a little Oregon to your podcast. He was last seen August 14th, 1986. Oh, um, that's close to your birthday. Yeah, we it got to be a very topical very quick. <laughs> <laughs> he was born in 1972, so that made him 14 when he disappeared. Jeremy, Only 14? Yep. Oh, no. Oh, boy. I'm not looking forward to this story. Uh, as far as I could tell, just turned 14, too, fairly <sighs> recently before that. Oh, no. Um, he was a very popular kid. He loved sports. Um, very outgoing, friendly, as far as I could tell. Um, he was looking forward to high school. He His life hadn't even started. Oh, I'm so sad. <laughs> That's what I was like. Definitely not fun. Not fun at all. Um, he usually lives in Grands Pass with his mom, but every year visits his stepdad, Ollie, um, during time for the Coos County Fair, which I looked up pictures. Looks like fun. On August 14th, Jeremy called his mom and told her he was heading for the fair at 4.45 p.m. He supposedly went with his sister and a friend whose name is Johnny Fish. His possible real name is Gray. Um, I'm sorry, his name is Gray? His last name. Oh, okay. I was like, first of all, what kind of parents are just like, hmm, you're Gray. Now go sit with your siblings, yellow and blue. Well, and then his name would have been Gray Fish (laughs) with your... With your line of thinking. Oh, boy. But I think his name was Johnny Gray. Okay, Gray Fish, <laughs> go sit with your siblings, Ugly Tuna Saluna and Slammin' Salmon. Sorry, I'm being attacked by a cat. So, was that not a funny joke, Jackie? Are you disappointed in me? Izzy, I'm always disappointed in you. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, yes. Okay. I'm sorry, Sammy. Please continue. I'll shut up. Sorry, I was being attacked by a cat. He decided my foot was a toy. Um, So he went with his sister. Uh, Several witnesses saw Johnny and Jeremy together at the fair, but it seemed like they were, he was the only other person he hung out with. Red flag. So five hours later, at 9.40 p.m., 
Jeremy went alone to a local tavern that his grandmother owned to meet his stepdad, Ollie. Ollie gave Jeremy a few dollars, and he left. This was the last time he was ever seen. Oh, no. Oh, no. Two days later, Diane, Jeremy's mom, um, she arrived in Myrtle Point to pick up Jeremy and his sister, only to find that he wasn't home and hadn't been home. How mad? Okay, time out. How mad would you be at your ex if... He's like, oh, I haven't seen him in two days. Well, so from what I got, he seemed to be just very independent, so it wasn't unusual for him to not be home. Okay. Everybody listen. Well, this was the 80s too, right, you said? Okay. Yeah. So, everybody listen. Don't let your 14-year-olds run around by themselves. Okay, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Well, they did that a lot in the 80s. <laughs> well, I'm glad we left that in the 80s. Different just- times and all that. It did seem unusual to his mom that she hadn't heard from him, that he hadn't called or anything, but the fair was still going, so she figured that he just... He's 14. Like, where would he even be staying? Like, at the fair? Like, I'm just going to curl up with this cow real quick. I don't understand. I don't know. That seed, it got more mysterious as I went. There's so (laughs) many things that nobody looked into. There were so many unanswered questions. This hurts my heart. Anyway, let's continue. Um, So when she arrived, uh, he wasn't there, but his wallet, his keys, and the brand new watch he had just bought were still there. That's a little odd. Yeah, he never went anywhere without any of those things, and he had saved up all of his money to buy that watch. So to have it not be on him was was So... The stepdad did it, is what we're saying. God damn it, Ollie. Um, I believe he was questioned, but there was no proof. Yeah, Jackie, stop making accusations over there. You I'm gonna make you. Oh, hey, hey, hey. <laughs> you don't have any proof of that. I don't have to have proof. I just have to feel it. Okay. I mean, that's fair. So this is where it gets um extra crappy. Oh no. If it could get worse from here. Uh oh. So later that night, when he still didn't return, his mom called the police and they told her to wait because they thought that he joined the fair and he might return when it was over. What? They thought he ran away to join the fair. I've heard of joining the circus, but joining the fair seems like a step under that. Yeah, it. I don't know how you would just join a fair um, and it, it just seemed really weird. That's, uh, okay, police officers, if you're listening, no 14-year-old wants to join the fair. Okay, okay, I'm sorry. And none of his family thought he did either. It didn't seem like anything he would do. But you would still need your wallet and your keys and your watch. At least your watch, yeah. I mean, probably don't need your keys if you're running away, but still don't know what time it is. Uh, This hurts my head. This hurts my heart. Okay, please continue. So on August 17th, three days after he went missing, Mm -hmm. the fair left town, and he still didn't show up, and that's when the rumors began to spread. Uh Uh-oh. These get dark. Uh Uh-oh. So one rumor suggests that he attended one of the many parties that took place that week, where he was offered a beer mixed with an illegal and powerful drug. And he then overdosed. Was it marijuana? Um, it didn't say, but I'm feeling like probably stronger than that. Ah, okay, so fentanyl. Gotcha. Um, an officer was able to find witnesses who placed him at two different parties that week. So he did at least go to the parties, but there's no proof he overdosed. At least no one was speaking up. Okay. Um, one what. One website that I found said that he had a heart murmur and he could have, like, just died from that. But no other website said that, so I don't know how true that was. It just came up in the one place. And the, uh, the really sad one. Uh Uh-oh. An anonymous jail source, so someone in prison, told police that three local teens showed up and were harassing... Uh, Jeremy and his friends, while they were swimming in a local watering hole, one of the kids had a gun 
and decided to use Jeremy as target practice. I'm <gasps> sorry. Hold on. What? Yep. Um, he had a shotgun. <gasps> Excuse me? Yep. Um, he was shot and wounded. And the source then told the police that he was brought back to a nearby cabin where the boy tried to nurse him back to health. Oh, okay. All right. That makes sense. Yeah. Uh, but he ultimately died. The teenagers allegedly buried his body in the woods near the cabin. The authorities searched the woods but never found anything. So the authorities went and talked to Johnny's sister, who was Jeremy's friend. Her name is Cecilia. She said that the day after Jeremy disappeared, sometime between midnight and 1 a.m., Cecilia and a friend were leaving her sister's apartment when they ran into a neighborhood teen covered with blood. Oh, boy. Uh-oh. When she asked what happened, he simply said, this happened hours ago, laughed, and went into an apartment building. Okay, so, pause. I'd like to just break down the situation real quick. So you see someone, I mean, these are teens, quote-unquote, so... This kid's only 14, so mm-hmm. they're only like two, three years older than him. Yeah. You see a teen swimming with his friends, and you're like, oh, I'm going to shoot at him and play target practice. Right. In the water, which is just stupid. Right. So you it's shoot him. It's stupid to shoot at anybody in the first place. Well, yeah, but you shoot him, he gets hurt, and then you instantly go, oh, no, we got to nurse him back to health. And you take him to a cabin and try to fit. Like, what in the world? The situation seems ridiculous. Because they couldn't go to the hospital or they'd get in trouble. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. So <laughs> killing him and burying him in the woods is the next best option, I guess. Right. And he and he was with friends. So And none of those friends came forward and said anything. Okay. So listen. Teens, if you're listening... Go to the police. Don't be stupid. If you see something, say something. And then say Ugly Tuna Saluna because it's really fun. (laughs) That's my advice to all of the teens out there. So then half an hour later after that, Johnny arrived at another sister's apartment. He was shaking and terrified but wouldn't tell anyone why. They couldn't get him to talk about it. He, I guess, looked pale white, was shaking hard. But they wouldn't say why. Red flag. So after three months of inactivity. Oh, no. The police finally were contacted and asked to assist in the search. I'm, wait, hold on. Three months? Three months. Yeah. Hey. I I don't know why it took so long. Jackie, I just want you to know if I'm gone. Well, I thought his mom tried right, remember to talk they, to the... They told her to wait and... If he, if he didn't come back after the fair to get a hold of them again. But that was three months later. So, Jackie, if the fair's in town and I go missing, I didn't join the fair. Okay. Please tell the police that. I did not right. know. Okay. Izzy, but you're a clown, so. I would join the circus, not the fair. Come on. <laughs> All right. I'll write that down. Sammy, if I go missing, I need you to post that on social media. <laughs> <laughs> Like tiger. And then I need you to also tag my dad and tell him to call the ambulance. <laughs> so to this day, he's still not been found. Mm. There, There's no sign of him anywhere. No traces of anything. Something had to happen. Like something suspicious. This kid didn't just run away. Right. Um, I, on one of the sources, did find that they talked to the people that own the fair. Mm-hmm. And they didn't have any side of him they wouldn't have taken a random 14 year old kid yeah um so in my mind that checks out that he didn't join the fair but who knows maybe he's a stowaway maybe he lied about his age um so the suspects even though that no names were officially released there was a lot of suspicion three to four people were considered suspects depending on the site that I looked on it changed how many suspects they actually interviewed um the number one suspect was arrested on an unrelated murder charge interesting yeah so in my mind that guy did it (laughs) 
They're not called suspects. They're suspicious faces. Oh, yes. And you call yourself a listener. I don't listen very closely. (laughs) (laughs) These are just some weird extra facts. Um, Uh, Exciting tidbits, if you will. Yes. Um, So several people who were believed to have any sort of information on this case all died. What? What? Yeah. Um, His babysitter, who I, from what I gathered, was kind of like another dad to him. Mm -hmm. Um, He died of an overdose in 2007. Oh. In 1988, so very shortly after he disappeared, four of his friends died in a car wreck all together. Oh. Oh, wow. So that's like, what, two years after? Um, I believe just, yeah, like a year and a half. Jesus. Um, Johnny, his friend, died in 2011. In 2003, his stepdad, Ollie, died. Um, his maternal grandmother, the one that owned the tavern, she passed away in 1988. Wow. And his real father died in 2008. So the only person still alive is his mom? Um, his mom and his sister, yeah. Wow. Um, so another note, I only found this on one website, so I don't know how true it is, again, but police do consider Terry, and his co- um, Terry is his babysitter. Right. The one that died of an overdose. Yes. Um, they consider Terry and his cousin David suspects unofficially that was never on record. Mm-hmm. According to accounts, Jeremy was seen last inside a vehicle with Terry. David was the man seen covered in blood. Wow. And, um... Red flag. Apparently, Cecilia didn't re- never made that connection, didn't know who he was. So it wasn't until later that mm-hmm. it was discovered. Before Terry died, he was questioned about it, but they didn't have any reason to suspect him further after. They actually searched his property just to make sure, and they never found any traces of Mm -hmm. decomp or anything. Diane, his mom, thinks that his remains are in Coos County, so they don't think, she doesn't think he went anywhere, Mm -hmm. that he's still there. Um... Sadly, Jeremy's family believes he's dead. Yeah. And they had a memorial service in August 2011. That would have been the 25th anniversary. Oh, man. Um, So it would have been 39 then. Yeah. So he would, this year, he would be turning, I don't know, I'm not good at math. What is that? Uh, 48? No. No. I don't know. I'm not good at math. How old's your mom? I don't know. Don't tell her. I think it's 48. Don't keep this in the podcast. I love you, mom. <laughs> I, mean, I mean 28. I'm so sorry. My mom is ageless. She's a beautiful <laughs> angel. The sources were unsolvedmysteries.fandom.com and unsolved.com. He was on an episode of Unsolved Mysteries. Um, it was just a little 15-minute um, section on him and I didn't get the chance to watch it but I will soon and update it um, it turns out he would be 48 this year Izzy does know how to count thank you but my mom is 30 29 forever love you mom mm-hmm. and that's my story that's crazy These are, we all had some good stories today Um, If you like this podcast and you'd like to get in touch with us, you can follow us on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter at UCSF Podcast. You can also find us on our Patreon for some exclusive content if you'd like to support us and you like what we're doing at UCSF Podcast. And you can send us your stories or any suggestions or stories you'd like us to cover in the future at UCSFpodcast at gmail.com. And, of course, visit us on our website at ucsfpodcast.com. And I think that's it. Do you guys have anything to say? Thanks for having me. You're welcome. Anytime. What about this was you? a lot of fun. We should do guest people more often. Hell, yeah. You can pick the next guest, but I've got, like, six people. All of them are Sammy in different disguises. <laughs> next time, get around here with a mustache. They'll never be able to tell. <laughs> Regardless of the fact this is voice only, <laughs> she's just wearing a mustache, doesn't change your voice. Okay, I gotcha. I'll just announce yeah. it. 
be like, it's me, but with a mustache. <laughs> Up oh, next, man. it's Sammy, but she spells her name with a Y, completely different. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, I guess my parting advice would be to uh, uh, don't join the fair and um, avoid the ugly tuna saluna and instead visit our bar coming soon called the Slam and Salmon. Oh. <laughs> <laughs>